0: For those of you who don't know, my name is Jim Painter, I was a pastor here for Ages and ages. And uh, it's good to be here. We're continuing to be here. Pastor Mark asked me to speak today, uh, lead in the uh, Lord's Supper and a little devotional here beforehand. Uh, He's here somewhere. I don't see him, but uh, look for him. He's feeling better. Uh, For those of you who've been aware of some of the things he's been going through, be sure to say hi to him. He did say that Uh, and uh, make yourself known to him. So it's good to be here. Uh, Being retired is a little bit different. And that, first of all, the weirdest thing was getting up every morning that didn't have to come in here. Uh, So I got up a little later, and the first decision of the day is what to have for breakfast. That's a, that's a big decision. We've, we've uh, had had the chance to travel, son. Some of you know we've been out in West Texas for a while with our daughter, Carrie, and her family, and that was a great time. Ann and I were just up in Maine, uh, and uh, we're with Ralph and Ruth, and uh, a couple of the grandsons there, and Ralph and the boys and I did a lot of fishing, and Ann and Ruth went all over the place, enjoyed the time. So, uh, retirement sounds rough, doesn't it? <laughs> Yesterday, I saw a a mug. We were with a couple of the other grandsons at Aunt Charlotte's in in, uh, Merchantville. And besides candy, they have all sorts of other stuff. And they had some mugs there. And one of the mugs, I did not buy it, but I was very tempted because it said, I'm retired. I am now a professional grandpa. (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel. (laughs) So, it's good to be here. We're going to spend some time in the Word of God here and uh, just enjoy our time uh, together. And also, we're going to celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper together. I'm digging here to make sure that I have, if you did not get a chance to pick up, these are the elements that we're gonna be using. We do this yet, so we're just not passing stuff around. If you did not get one of these and you want to participate in the Lord's Supper in a little bit, uh, feel free to jump up, go get one. I will not be offended. If you don't come back, I might say something. It is good to be here together with uh, people who love the Lord, isn't it? And those of you who are online watching, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're able to be a part of this with us. Let's just join our hearts together for a minute in prayer. Father, we do want to thank you so much for who you are. Uh, Some of these uh, songs we've just sung, just remember you are enough. And we'll talk about that today a little bit that you love us with an everlasting uh, love. You are the one who has been risen for uh, our sake, for our redemption. And so today we want to worship you. We want to lift your name up. And as we spend time together and looking uh, at you and then uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, God, we want to remember all that you are to us. Guide us now as we look into your word for these few minutes. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I'm I'm looking at a passage here. It's one certainly is a, a familiar one. I have a question here. When you hear the word, my precious, what just came to your mind? How many of you thought of Gollum? Yeah, most of us thought of Gollum. Remember, if you are not aware of Lord of the Rings, the whole trilogy there is written. Gollum is a character who uh, had possession of the ring for a long, long time. The ring was the one ring to rule them all and everything with that. And you get the picture. Uh, you see the picture. That's the, that's the real ring. No, it's not. It's a, but, but, you know, it was his precious. That was everything to him. Everything in life. It was always about my precious. And if you read all the way from the story from Bilbo Baggins, you know, all the way through, it's my precious. And and that struck me as I, every time I hear it, I think, is, is that was what consumed him. Now, we don't use the word precious so much anymore, do we, for the things we have? At least I don't. But I think there are things that are uh, precious to us, things that are, are really, really important. And, and if I were to ask you to come up here and share with you and you would all say, yeah, I'm not coming up there. But if you think in your mind, what, what is precious to what is most precious to you? And, and some of you would say, well, my family, my wife or husband, God. And, and I hope that's true. I really hope that's true. But beyond that, I expect that many of us have other things that we kind of hold on to, right? Things are really, really precious. We think we can't get by without them. I did a little bit of reading, research, and, and some people who've done some studies with this said men, the things that they are precious are their toys, That is, you know, cars, sports, hobbies, things like that. That is the the overriding thing that that they hold dear, precious. Women, I I better get this right, otherwise I'll be in trouble. It said this, this was with the study, that what they hold most dear is comfort. That is being needed, listened to, their status... That becomes very, very important to them. And, and I expect a lot of that is very true. How do you, these things that are precious, how, how do you react to them? I remember, this was many, many years ago, I bought a fishing rod. At that time, it was the best fishing rod I had ever had in my life. For those of you who know anything about fishing, I had very good action, very light. I did a lot of fishing in the Colorado streams and things like that. And I, I got my rod. I'm going out and I'm, I'm on the ranch on the Inch, And uh, I'm walking out to the stream and I get out there. And I honestly don't know exactly. I can't remember everything that went on. I know I was in the middle of a cow field and there were cows everywhere. But that's okay. I'm a cowboy. I understand that. And I'm getting ready to go down the stream. And for some reason, I laid my new rod on the ground. I think what I was doing, I was tying on a little swivel or something, and I wasn't paying attention. The cows were cows are very curious creatures. I don't know if you knew that. And there were some cows. Now, these are wild cows, you know, but they come and they're looking there and they're talking, hey Jim, how you doing? You know, that and, and one cow keeps, and I still wasn't paying attention. And all of the, I heard snap, that cow had the audacity to step on my new fishing rod. And at that point, life was over. I had—I n- mean, that was my fishing rod, that was my best fishing rod. It was something at that point I was holding so dear. And, and I think maybe God allowed that to happen because I started to learn a lesson, a lesson about what are you really holding on to? It, it was a hard lesson. I was really angry with that cow. Didn't have a thing in the world to beat her with right then. <laughs> but it was a good lesson. What do you, when you hold on to things, what, what are you holding on to? What, what, what do they mean to you? We're going to look at a passage here real quickly in in 1 Peter. And and Peter, in writing to the believers in Asia Minor, um, he's talking to them about what's important to them. You see, they've been suffering an awfully lot because uh, of their faith. Uh, Some of them are from Jewish heritage, some from Gentile. Uh, The Jews have been dispersed all over the known world at that time. They've been uh, incredible suffering. Um... And he writes, Peter writes to encourage them, first of all, to warn them of what their true enemies really are and to help strengthen their faith. That's a real quick synopsis of the book of 1 Peter. And and as he writes the things they face, he does ask the question, not in this word, but this is what he means. What is most important to you? And what has eternal value. First Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 21 is where we're looking. It is the whole book of first Peter and more, but first Peter 1, 13 to 21, and Peter writes this by the Spirit of God. I did not look up to see what it is in the pew Bible. Look at the index, find first Peter, go there, chapter 1, okay? He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. That's that's quite a passage there. And there's so much in there that we could look at. What I want to really focus on today here is just what is important and, and what Peter really starts here is, is the first thing is really asking the question, where or what is your hope? Verse 13, he starts, therefore, with minds alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed it is coming. The idea of hope and hope here, you know, we use the word hope sometimes. It's just, you know, kind of, I hope we win the game. I hope I have lasagna for supper, I hope. And and that's a weak form of how the word hope is. The word hope here used scripturally is really the idea, uh, someone has said it this way, confident expectation. It is is assurance of living. It, It is the reason to keep on going. It's the assurance of things that are eternal. It's all wrapped up in them. My hope is it's not a weak, wishy-washy sort of thing. It is, it is my great confidence in what God is doing and what Christ is doing. So when He says, "When it says there, your hope, what is your hope? What are you really hanging on to? And as Peter writes here, he, he does say these, he says, this is what it is not. The hope that he's talking about is not in what you have. Not, not in what you have in terms of wealth, in what you have in any sort of riches, your status, your position. That's not where our hope ultimately lies. Unfortunately, you know and I know that there are many people that that is where their hope is in the world right now and what they have. And Peter says, don't, don't go there. Especially those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, that is not where your hope is. It is not in the way of life you've been. It's not your philosophy of life. It's not even about church. It's not about morals. Because those things can only go so far, especially when they're not wrapped up in the person of Jesus. There is no eternal value in riches. There's no eternal value in the sort of philosophy you might choose to live by. You can't take these things with you. He uses the term, they are corruptible. They pass away. This empty way of life he talks about that you had from the forefathers and all that. He can be talking those who were pagans or those who were religious. Religious in the sense of trying to please God by what they did rather than their belief. Those who were pagans, politically at that time, they were living largely in anarchy as you look at that history at that time, and things were, were very volatile. Socially, they tended to live in isolation. It was their little group, us, four, and no more sort of idea. Morally, they lived in debauchery. Mentally, they were in despair. Because they had no hope, and they didn't know where to go, and they didn't know what to do with it. Those who were religious, and again, religious in the sense of just somehow trying to reach God on their own. Religiously, they lived in legalism so much. If I do enough, maybe God will accept me. Socially, they tended to be kind of smug and superior over others. I was just reading the book of Romans. That's where I am in my quiet time right now. And, and there, as Paul writes, uh, he talks about that very thing, what they're like. And he's, he said, you're just like these other people, but you lift your head above others. Your nose is in the air. That's my translation. Morally, they lived by appearances, but maybe not so much what they did. Mentally, consumed with guilt. Because they knew what they were. And look, all these things here, uh, Peter's saying here, what's your hope? It is not in what you have. Not at all. And we need to remember that. You and I both need to remember that. That our hope in God, our hope in Christ, is not in what we have. He says, here is what it is. Your hope is this. It is that you have been redeemed. And if you were one of the people reading this for the first time, you probably would have said, wow, that is a great thing. I have been redeemed. I've been bought. I've been paid for is the idea. And it, it was a horrible thing. And, and we all recognize how slavery was a horrible thing, but it's gone on through the world for many, many thousands of years. But there were people who were slaves. And sometimes they would be sought and bought and sold. And sometimes they were set up on this auction block and people would buy them. That was the word redeem; They would buy them, whether they were valuable or not valuable. And here, he says here, Jesus has redeemed us he, he's bought us. He's paid for us, even his damaged goods. He still said, I, I'm going to buy you. You remember the story of Hosea in the Old Testament? I don't know if you remember. Let me remind you. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. You don't always read that all the time. But there's a great story there that God did with Hosea. Uh, God had, uh, instructed Hosea uh, to marry Gomer, his wife. And I know that's a funny name for a girl, Gomer. I think of Andy Griffith right away. But, but Gomer was his wife, and, and they had some children and began to suspect by the third one, that may not be my child. And it turns out that Gomer was very unfaithful. She went away and absolutely lived a life of debauchery and, and probably prostitution and everything. And uh, it, it was awful. And, and then came a time... When God instructed Hosea to go buy Gomer back, there Gomer was. If you can imagine the picture, there she is. She's up on the auction block as a slave. She has been used. She has been defiled. She is is in an awful state. She has left him. I can just imagine Hosea is there. What are you talking about, God? And God says, go redeem her. And so, being faithful to God and obedient to God, Hosea goes and he does redeem Gomer. He pays the price. She is damaged goods. There is nothing that she can claim of him. There is nothing on her part that she deserves. And yet, Hosea redeems her. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And, and it is a picture of what Christ has done for us. We were up on that block. We were the ones. And Jesus redeemed us. He paid the price for us. You need to understand here, what was the price of redemption? And again, it goes, he goes back to this. It was not money. It was not what you have that redeemed you, you can't buy your way into eternity in terms of salvation. There's no amount of money that can pay for your sin. People try to redeem themselves, and you know this, try to redeem themselves by by doing good works, by going to church, getting baptized, being better people, giving money. And, and those are worthy things. Those are, those are not bad things. But those things can never, ever redeem us. Understand this. Remember, it's never enough what we have. Your sin and my sin has killed us. And our money, our riches, our good works, church will never give you life. You cannot do enough. Remember the Bible talks about the wages of sin is death. In another place it says this, that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Our sin has separated us from God and there's not a single thing in the world we can do. And and many of us know that. You know that. I know that. But it's a good thing to remember that it's nothing that I have. It is not money, not what I have, not what I do that redeems me. The price of redemption, the price of redemption, we come here to the precious blood of Christ. That is what redeems us. Peter gets to a place where he he begins to paint a picture for them in their mind of the Passover lamb. Remember when the Passover lamb, when, when Israel was first in Egypt and they were getting ready to go and God instructed them to kill this Passover lamb. They were to eat it. They would put the blood on the doorpost of the house. It was a picture of God's deliverance. It was a picture of God's redemption. It was to be a, a lamb without blemish or spot. And that's what he says here: is Jesus, the precious blood, is a lamb without blemish or spot. And if you were a good Jewish person, you would have understood that picture absolutely. You would have understood that heart. It's, it's the heart of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter uh, 53, and there as Isaiah writes, he says this, but he Is that idea of when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he, and he cried out, Behold, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Peter is painting that picture. And he is saying this. This is the perfect sacrifice. This is the Lamb without, blo- uh, without blemish or spot. This is your redemption. It's the precious blood of Christ. That... Is what the cost is. We need to remember here, and I have a little chart here, and it helps me a little bit um, to just put the things there. What I have put in one column, you, if you have the notes, you'll see there in one column what I have on the other column, the precious blood of Christ, In the one column what I have, whatever it is, and you can put it down there. I could put down there my fishing pole. I could put down there whatever it is, and the question is, is it enough? Never. As good as those things might be, even if you put family, even if you put church, is it enough? Never. Never. Go to the other column. The precious blood of Christ. Is the precious blood of Christ enough? And it is absolutely yes. It is enough. For our redemption. Is it eternal? On my side, whatever I write down there, is it eternal? Never. It is not eternal. Whatever you put there. On the other side, the precious blood of Christ, is it eternal? And we ought to be shouting out, (laughs) it is enough. You know what? That's what we need to remember as we focus on who Christ is and what He has done. I mean, Peter just wants these people remember that you're going through some hard times. Remember this. What's the result? In verse twenty and twenty-one, or twenty and actually twenty-three, we didn't read it. Um, he was chosen before creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Though uh, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. And then in verse 23, he says this, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The result of all that, as we understand who he is, that there is that price of redemption. It is the precious blood of Christ. It's not the things I do. And when I embrace that by faith, I've become a child of God. I've believed in Him and Him alone for eternity, for life, for forgiveness of sin. The scriptures say, I've been born again. I'm a new person. Um, I've become a child of God by faith. And the same thing is true for you. If you have believed this, if you understand the redemption that's in Christ, you've embraced that by faith, you are a child of God. And once again, if we understand that, we probably ought to be saying, yeah, maybe we could even clap. Because the truth is, that's who we are. We can't stop there. And and Peter doesn't stop there. Very quickly here, he says, well, if that's true, then how should I live? I mean, what's the difference? That I'm not living by the things I declare precious. I'm living by the preciousness of the blood of Christ. What am I doing Well, first of all, just not being consumed with the things of the world, not being conformed to the world and its ways, not being conformed to my own evil desires. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't go there. Don't consume, forget those things of the things of the world, whether good or bad are not eternal and do not bring life. Don't live in that direction. In fact, he says, do this, be holy. And when you first hear that, I don't know what goes through your mind. I know what goes through my mind. Be holy. Are you kidding me? Man, I'm no Mother Teresa. And I know you're not either. I, I don't want to be a holy Joe. I, I mean, I know what people say about that. That's not the idea. The idea of holiness, very simply here, the word means to be set apart different not weird just set apart set apart from sin that means that I'm not going to be actively pursuing sin as much as the grace of God allows me do we sin as believers in Christ unfortunately we do but but the idea of being set apart is that that I'm not going to live in that direction I don't want to go that way that is not my lifestyle do I sin? Yes. Does God forgive me? Absolutely. But being so set apart means that's not what I'm pursuing. It being set apart to God. That is, as much as I have by the Spirit of God, I'm following Him. I'm following His commands. I'm doing, I'm doing what He wants to work in my heart. That's the simple part of holiness. We have some core values here at FCC. We call it part of our DNA, and, and the very first one is this, says that we absolutely committed to Jesus and His Word. Jesus and His Word are central to everything we are. And, it, and it's true, that's what we want to be. I mean, when, when it comes to Jesus, we want to love Him the most, as much as we are able. When it comes to obedience, we want to obey Him first and foremost in everything. When it comes to dependence, we want to depend on Him fully. That's what being set apart is. That's what being holy is. Not walking around with some sort of halo. It's just that I'm loving Jesus. I'm following Him with my heart as much as I know how. And I'm depending on Him in every circumstance. Peter says that's what we want. That's what you need. As you have embraced that redemption then let him work that in your life so what is precious to you does it hold up in the test of eternity what side of the ledger what you hold on to does it fall on if it's anything apart from the precious blood of Christ it is not enough it is never eternal you know what life can get hard can't it And we know that. We've experienced that this whole year and a little more. Uh, We face things hard in life, on the job, in our families, with our health that can tear us down. They can cause despair. Maybe even make us question God. But Peter says, remember, remember first of all, who or what your hope is. Some of you have been getting uh, letters from Harold Ebersol. Harold is a missionary that we support from Bangladesh. They've been part of the, the body here for many, many years. And as you know, Harold has been going through some hard things the last few years. Uh, he's diagnosed with cancer, and to the glory of God right now, that cancer is in remission. They were able to go back to Bangladesh for a little bit, uh, and while he was there, he got COVID. Turns out he got COVID very badly. He's able to be back, they're in Tennessee now, but over the past uh, few weeks, uh, he's had struggling with breathing, struggling with weakness. Yeah, and finally, uh, it was the beginning of this week, or, or I guess on last weekend, they finally had to take him to the ER. He was so weak, he wrote the yesterday, so weak that he couldn't even walk. <laughs> you know, Harold, that's like, what? And uh, his, his O2 levels, his oxygen levels, were down to 70, that's bad. And as by the glory of God, and and, uh, yesterday he wrote, and I asked if I could share this. He said, yeah, he said, I'd love you to share that. By the glory of God, uh, his oxygen levels came back up. They thought he'd had a heart attack. Probably not, it was just those levels down so much. Um, He was able to start eating and gain weight. For Harold, that probably means two ounces, but he's getting stronger. And he he was discharged yesterday. He still has oxygen. Every time he stood up, his oxygen levels went down, but they wouldn't let him go until they stayed up. And now that is all good. So now he's praying. And what he said, and the reason I'm relating this, because it relates so much to the hope. He says this, he is continuing to trust God. They've been hard times, no question about that. But he, and these, uh, this is uh, some of his words, that God is his rock. Jesus is his rock. He is my life. He is my hope. That's what we come to here. Our hope in Jesus Christ gives us the right perspective. Our problems may not go away. In fact, they might get worse. But we know that He is with us. We're His children by faith. He has bought us. He has redeemed us. He helps us live with an eternal perspective knowing what the true grace of God really is, because He is our Redeemer. Keith Green, many years ago, wrote a song, and part of the words of this. The song is, There is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, O for sinners slain, thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. We want to rejoice in Christ our Redeemer. We're going to take some time and just celebrate the Lord's uh, table together very quickly, just to take some time here to rejoice in the truth of who Christ is, that He is our Redeemer. And again, if you had not picked up the elements and want to, you can run out and pick them up real quickly. I am terrified of these things, because how many of you are really afraid that you're going to spill the juice? Okay, if it happens, it happens. Okay? You know what? With the Lord's Supper, just very quickly remembering, it's a, it's a time to celebrate who He is, that He is our redemption. I want you to remember, taking these elements will not redeem you. That would be one of the things, wouldn't it? Taking these elements will not redeem you. The redemption only comes through the precious blood of Christ. Taking these elements won't make you a better Christian. Taking these elements is very simply, we are remembering that we have trusted Christ as our Savior. We have trusted in His redemption for us, apart from any good work that we do, and we celebrate Him. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, taking these elements will just mean you get a little bit of cracker and a little bit of juice if you do that. But you know what? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you haven't really embraced that redemption, you could do that right now right where you sit by very simply putting your faith and trust in Jesus as the one who has redeemed you. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name. You could do that right where you sit and trust Christ, the Redeemer. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, He says, don't take it in an unworthy manner. Don't take it. I would say, if you know there's known sin in your life, you need to confess that first. If you have something between you and a brother, you need to make that right. If you're a follower, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would suggest you not take part until that time you have come to understand that redemption and embrace that. But for those of us who have embraced Christ, we want to remember so carefully, if you will, take the little cover off the bread parts, a little cracker there. And he did say this. Remember, this is from the this is from the Passover. This is the bread. This is the, the bread that was hidden. He, this is my body, he says, which is for you. Take it in remembrance of me. So let's pray. Let's thank the Lord together. Father, thank you for giving. Yourself, Thank you for Jesus, willing to go to the cross, giving up himself, his body which was beaten, which was hung on that cross for us. We do remember that and rejoice in that. In Christ's name, amen. So let's eat together. And then he said he took the cup. This is the cup in the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, in the Passover Seder, most people believe it was the third cup he's talking about. It's called the cup of redemption. He gave his life for us. He redeemed us. Father, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts that you have redeemed us. Not because we deserve it, but very simply because you love us. We want to remember you and thank you from the bottom of our hearts, amen. So carefully take your top off, if you haven't already. It makes the juice ready. And together, let's drink this to the glory of God. Father, we rejoice in you, Christ our Savior, our true and absolute redemption. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. It's good to be together today, isn't it? Let's enjoy each other's company and go out and this week serve and honor the Lord.